This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And a good nerve Shabbos. Delighted to be with you. It's Mashi Lipsker. And what a wonderful, wonderful Parsha we have. The Parsha is called Titzaveh, which means literally, and you shall instruct, command. And then the Parsha really goes on to detail instruction of not only the special oil for the menorah, but most importantly, the details of the priestly garments. In great detail, it is described the garments of the Kayan Hedjait, the Kayan Gadol, the ordinary, regular, not, no such thing as an ordinary Kayan, but the Kayan, the Kohanim, as opposed to the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. And the difference in their garments is that the Kohen Hedjot wore four of plain white linen, and the Kohen Gadol wore those four, but in addition, there were another four of color, gold, gems. And the service could not be done except with wearing all eight garments. The Kohen Gadol, when he went into the Kodesh, into the holy area, and he lit the menorah, or prepared the showbreads, but most importantly, when he offered the ketoret, the incense, he went in dressed in all eight garments. And the name of the parsha, Titzave, you shall command, actually that word is the same, from the same root as the word mitzvah. So it is a parsha, there is another parsha which is called Tzav, command, but Titzave, you shall command. And most of the parsha deals with the seeming minutia, the details of how each one of these garments had to be made. Now, Hasidic teaching explains that the word Titzave doesn't just mean you shall command, but it also and most importantly means you shall connect. Connect the people. Connect them to the one above. How does one become connected? Our minds are limited. Our hearts are limited. Our bodies are limited. Our souls are unlimited. And it needs to be a soul connection. But we don't know enough, really, about the soul without being told, instructed, enlightened. And Hashem enlightens us in terms of what's underneath a functional human being. It's an ashoma, it's a soul. And every mitzvah is a soul connection with the Creator. Every mitzvah, from the word tzavta v'chibur, is a connection. Even if a person puts on tefillin one time, there is an eternal connection because mitzvahs being infinite, the creator being infinite, is not limited by time. He's not limited by space. To him, one candle 
lit for Shabbos by a little girl once in the right time with the right bracha remains a joy for him forever. And we're told that Hashem plays with it, enjoys it, savors it above time. As if it happened this very moment, which is why the Lubavitcher Rebbe was so passionate about getting Jews to do mitzvahs even one time. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Don't worry about babysitters or dividing up the day with your spouse because we've got your kids covered. This year, Sinai Encore is sponsoring a free kids camp so you can enjoy an inspirational, stress-free day knowing that your children are being looked at, looked after in the room next door. Space is limited, so booking is essential. Book now at sinai-indaba.co.za. For Cape Town, on the 24th of February, and here in Johannesburg, on the 2nd and 3rd of March. Amashi Lipsker, the Parsha is Tetzaveh, you shall command, which really means you shall connect. And when we look at all the detail in the Parsha, the message really is, when one wants to connect with the Creator, the connection, the secret, is in the detail. So often people say, what does it really matter? how I pray, which words I say, what's most important is the intention. Why would God care what I eat? Why would he care about what I wear? Why would the infinite creator have an interest in the detail of my life? Let's look at creation. The natural order of creation is a wonder the sun rising in the sky, big orange ball, the sun making this wonderful, wonderful journey, this arc, this arching over the universe, over the earth, and eventually setting. The truth is, the natural order is a magnificent revelation of divinity. Take the humble atom. It contains incredible power, which is not visible to the eye. Take the seasons. Take the way our body works. It is quite amazing. It's actually the detail in nature that makes it what it is. When things are in proper proportions, proper combinations... The result is a stunning success. God forbid when one gene is out, it can, God forbid, be a disaster. Look at the world. Let's look. The extreme precision with which Hashem has made his world. Cut open any apple. There's a star. Five seeds. Yes, Hashem is present. 
not only in the glorious, majestic largeness of creation, but in the tiniest detail over and over again. The Creator creates seeds, uncountable number of seeds with the potential to produce seemingly infinite growth. Halley's Comet, every 72 years. How? We can calculate when the moon will appear a thousand years from now. We can calculate the split second that the sun will rise on any particular day 2,000 years from now. The universe seems so huge to the untrained eye, and of course all of us just take it for granted. It can look like it's just happening. It's random. We only take notice. We sit up and take notice when things aren't working exactly. Speak about global warming. Too much rain. Too little rain. But everything is actually so precise. Clockwork. Because underneath it, there is the creative power of the creator, constantly breathing life and direction. The infinite creator into the infinite detail of creation. Look at the human body. It's a living miracle. Every morning there's a prayer that we say to thank Hashem for forming us, for creating us, for making us, and making us so precisely. God forbid, if one valve that should be closed is open, or one that should be open is closed, God forbid illness results. God forbid dysfunction. God forbid complications. The wonder of what's going on beneath the eye begins to be revealed to us with this thing called DNA. The double helix, a mini picture of life. Microscopic surgery, microscopic genetics, the extreme order, the extreme detail in the way that Hashem created his world. And like everything else, there is a reason. The reason is an amazing mystery very often. But what we do know is that when Hashem tells us the detail and how to use the detail, we become partners in creation. Just as the magnificence is in the detail, when we carefully listen, try to hear the exact letter of the law, the exact spirit of the law, without becoming paranoid, without becoming obsessed, becoming uplifted, privileged. When we use this world in that privileged way, we become a partner in ensuring that everything functions in the way that the Creator intended. Detail. Detail is what makes
nature. Detail is what makes the connection between us and Hashem. We know it in our relationships. It's the detail. It's the red rose at exactly the right moment. It's the gentle word exactly, appropriately, and voiced in the right intonation. Something tiny makes everything come into place. And in this world, the proper combinations can result in a stunning success or, God forbid, disaster. The DNA, the molecular, molecular structure, it shows itself in a particular way because there is so much more underneath it. Look at detail in fashion. That makes all the difference. A touch, a flower, a bit of color. In Yiddishkeit, in the seeming tiny details, lies the formula for success. And that's what we see in the Parsha this week, where the Torah describes to us the garments of the Kohen Gadol. Last week, the detail of the Mishkan, the detail of which materials could be used, where they should be used, the structure, the dimensions, the assembling, so many details. And in those godly instructions is the connection. How can finite man connect with the infinite creator? As Hasidic teaching teaches, man is so small, but he can become so big. Hasidic teaching teaches you how. We are small. We must be humble. But not humble in a way that denies our gifts. A man is obligated to know his strengths and his weaknesses. He's obligated to acknowledge his strengths and his weaknesses. We are obligated to take our strengths and use them for God's reason. These strengths are gifts. When he gives us an ability, a talent, insight, strength, vision, whatever he gives us is a gift. And the greatest way that you say thank you for a gift is by using it and using it with joy. And so we look at the Parsha this week and we see that the garments of the Kohen Gadol tell us an amazing, amazing thing. Something that will make us think about all the other mitzvahs in a totally different way. In fact, the Kohen Gadol is the emissary, the shaliach of the entire nation. He doesn't go into the holy or the holy of holies because he's so great. In fact, his greatness must consist of the two most important features in life. Acknowledgement of self 
in terms of gifts and in terms of humility. Gifts and weaknesses as they were. What would the gifts be? Obviously, they are listed in the Torah. He must be tall and good-looking and rich and he must have all those spiritual qualities. At the same time, tremendous awareness of in whose mission is he, the Kohen Gadol? Whom does he represent? And before whom must he bring the petition of the entire nation? What a responsibility to carry the welfare of every single man, woman, and child on his shoulders to be conscious that he's bringing their requests, their needs to the Almighty. In his garments are indicated all the levels of the nation. In other words, the loftiest and also those who still are growing and climbing, those who are at the lowest level. Now, what garments did he have? In addition to the four white linen garments, which were trousers, a tunic, a hat, and a sash, he also had four additional garments. What were they? He had something called the aphoid, which can best be described as Rashi does like a backwards apron. The skirt was at the back and hung down to his ankles. It had two wide straps, which went up his back and came forward over his shoulders. In the front of that was the breastplate, 12 stones on the breastplate, each one representing one of the 12 tribes. These two wide straps that came up his back were fastened, as it were, on the shoulders were like epaulets. They were two stones, precious stones, that were encased, that had a frame, what we call a setting, like a setting for a ring, a setting for a jewel. They had golden settings, and on the one shoulder was engraved, on the one shoulder was one stone engraved with six of the names of the tribes, the other shoulder were the other six, and this hung forward, and in truth it was attached to the choyshen, which was the breastplate, the breastplate which had one whole gem for each tribe, and upon that breastplate and on those stones were engraved on each one, one of the tribes, and you had an incredible, incredible um, connection between the two because the breastplate had to be tied securely to those straps at the back and was never allowed to move as it were. It's got to be firm. In addition to that, he also had another garment made of turquoise wool called the me'il, at the bottom of which there were bells 
of gold and pomegranates of wool, linen, gold. In other words, from that fabric they would make these hollow pomegranates. Let's look at some of these garments. Let's look first at the me'il, the turquoise tunic. At the bottom were the bells and pomegranates. What did they represent? Basically, they represent the low, the undeveloped, the people in our nation who might seem empty. So why would they be represented by hollow pomegranates? And what was the function of the golden bell? Well, hollow because they're not as full as they might be of good deeds. Nevertheless, our sages say that even the most unworthy of our nation is as full of of mitzvot as a pomegranate is full of seeds. So the pomegranates represent that although they are at the bottom of the hem and although they seem lowly and although they are empty pomegranates, inherent in the fruit pomegranate is already the message that they are as full of mitzvahs as a pomegranate is full of seeds. What about the bells? Well, what did the bells serve? What was their function? The Torah tells us that throughout the year, when the Kohen Gadol walked into the holy area, it says, V'nishma kolo bevo'o el hakodesh velo yamut. In other words, there had to be a noise. When he walked into the holy area, the bells made a noise. Otherwise, his service was not complete, and he needed everything to be in order in order that he continued to live. However, on Yom Kippur, when the Kohen Gadol, on the holiest day, went into the holiest area, and he, being considered the holiest man, he did not wear the four golden garments. He went only in the pure white linen. He went without bells. Throughout the year, we had to hear that sound. And if the sound wasn't there, it actually was a flaw. It was a pagam against his entire service. So why on Yom Kippur wouldn't he have needed this? And we are taught that generally, service of Hashem is not with noise. It's quiet. It's personal. It's inward. It's not about a big show. It's not about making a point, flamboyant spirituality. It's inward, sensitive, quiet. But why then would he go in with this noisy bell sound throughout the year? We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. And we're talking about the detail in that the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, 
would need to wear a garment that made noise when he entered the holy area. But when the Kohen Gadol, the holiest man, would enter the holiest area, area, the Kodesh Kodoshim, the Holy of Holies, on the holiest day, Yom Kippur, he only wore the simple, plain, white linen garments. And the question is, why? Throughout the year, if those bells weren't heard, the service wasn't complete, and he deserved to be removed. So we need to look. The generally service of Hashem is a personal quiet thing. But when a person has strayed and he's trying to come back and he recognizes that the life that he has led till now is a dangerous life and he's got to run away from that when we run away from danger, from negativity, when we run away from a place which is the opposite of life, the opposite of purity, we've got to do it like someone running from danger, with screaming, with shouting. It's dangerous. There's noise. And that is why throughout the year, there needed to be noise because the Kohen Gadol is the emissary of each and every person in the nation, even those who are at the lowest level. And the bells indicate that he is representing them. Their divine service is a noisy one, and he brings them in together with him. But that's only throughout the year. Throughout the year, we can make mistakes. Throughout the year, we can transgress, be led astray, mislead, confuse ourselves. So throughout the year, he's got to go in there with those bells at the bottom of his garment, like someone who's running away from negativity and danger. But Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur within each and every Jew is revealed the essence of the soul. The essence of the soul is undamaged. The essence of the soul can never be affected by anything that we do. And that's why on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol would go in quietly. No noise. Because at that time, each and every one of us, whom he is representing, stands humble, quiet, tuned in to the essence of the soul, which is like a silent, still voice. You know, the Kohen Gadol had four extra garments, but one was a plate, a gold plate that he would wear like a crown on his head. But the other three were on his body, as we explained. You had the ephod, the backwards apron, the apron worn at the back, with the straps coming up the back. He had the choshen, which was the brace, breastplate worn on the front, next to his heart. And then he had the me'il, this turquoise wool garment with bells and pomegranates at the bottom. These are the three primary garments that were the additional garments 
of the Kohen Gadol. And by wearing them all, he then was able to do a worthy, kosher, proper service. These three garments indicate unity in the nation. The breastplate worn on the front, representative of tzaddikim, righteous, righteous people. The names of the tribes who were righteous is on that breastplate. And he must always, always wear it. It was through that garment that questions were answered. Different letters lit up. The entire Aleph Bet was there. And then he had another garment, and that was worn at the back. The breastplate on the front, Tzadikim. The breastplate on the back, the apron at the back, which had the names of the people on the shoulders. That indicated someone who's struggling with the backside, the not-so-important side of life, struggling with the Yetzirah, struggling with things that should be at the back, and sometimes, unfortunately, we make them primary. It's a confused, but it's part of the journey to try and separate what's primary from what's secondary, the physical from the spiritual and the spiritual in the physical. So that indicates people who are struggling, but their goal is clear. They want to get to the top of the shoulders. They want to get to the names that are engraved in the Avnei HaShoham, which were on the shoulders. And finally, there's the turquoise me'il, which represents someone who's trying to run away from challenges and difficulties. And those bells and pomegranates are at the very bottom, so it indicates people who are quite at the bottom, as it were. Since the Kohen Gadol is responsible for all the people, all these garments had to be worn to indicate the unity of the people. And amazingly, that the Choshem, which was in the front, the breastplate, had to be firmly fastened to the garment at the back. It never was allowed to move. It had to be firm, indicating unity, responsibility of those who have come a long way and are considered more in the tzaddikim realm, responsibility to nurture, to be connected to those who are at the back. The back, external mundane aspects of life. They are necessary, but they mustn't be the main focus. What's in the front? Those are the internal, sublime, real focuses of why we're in this world. You know, the front of the body has the face. The face expresses our inner thoughts, our inner feelings. There must be no gap between the sublime and the mundane in our own lives. There must be. We need to work for a seamless synthesis, using the physical, not turning our backs on the physical. They must be connected, and each physical Activity, object, relationship needs to be intertwined with God's purpose in giving us 
a self, a world which is physical and spiritual together. And finally, when Hashem shows us, we see people who are in need of a spiritual boost. We actually have a responsibility. He's brought them into our space. We see they need something spiritual. The first thing is, we must see their worth. They carry a soul which is an actual part of God above. We need to not focus on the negative. We need to welcome them. Welcome. Positivity helps them shed whatever negativity clings or remains. It inspires them to live in a way of positivity and increase their performance of things of light and goodness. It's an amazing thing. Our attitude counts for so much. It's an amazing thing as well when we consider the function of garments. In our world, garments, external garments, are very important. Since God first clothed Adam and Eve, garments are important. But garments are a frame. They're meant to be a frame for our essence, our soul. Our soul is a part of God above. We are royal. We are sovereign. Unlike animals, we are connected above at all times, essentially connected through our soul and connected through the things that we do, making that connection stronger. And stronger, the garments that we wear are a credit to who we really, really are. We are a godly soul. It is important that our garments be fitting. Now, you know a garment needs to fit. You can have the most beautiful fabric. If there's too much or too little, it doesn't do justice to the wearer. You know, in our world, a home is protection and garments are protection. But a home can be big. Sometimes high ceilings and great dimensions add to the greatness, add to the grandeur. Very often a palace has so much space. A home can have extra rooms. But a garment must fit just so in order to be a fitting frame for who the person is. We need to also see that in the home, the woman is the priestess in her sanctuary. We spoke last week that the Mishkan, the holy temple, it's only that physical holy temple, only one of the sanctuaries. Each one of us within our heart and within our home creates a mishkan, a sanctuary for God. And each one of us is like a kohen, serving in our homes, in our sanctuaries. And the Jewish woman is like a koheness, a priestess, serving in her temple in her home, which she creates to the detail that Hashem requires. 
with the right kashrut, with the right hachnasat orchim, welcoming of guests, educating the children, the furniture, the tzedakah box, the holy Jewish books. You make it a home that God feels welcome in, and he comes and he brings you so many blessings. And, of course, the garments that we wear. The garments, a frame for the soul. So in this week's parsha, which is called Titzaveh, you shall connect. You shall instruct, you shall connect. We actually are inspired to pay attention to the detail of mitzvot and the detail of our garments, which are a frame for the soul and which make a statement to the world that we are royal. May we enjoy a Shabbos of connection, a Shabbos of inspiration, that we carry the messages of this Parsha into the week ahead and into our lives. Good Shabbos.